Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. The Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $899. Save $200, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Hey, everybody. Luke here. Um, I just wanted to do a quick intro uh, before we get into this episode. Um, You'll notice that Mike is absent. He had some stuff come up. Um, So you're probably missing his sultry, deep, wonderful voice, but he will be back. Um, And thankfully we had our good buddy Matt Lacaraza um, fill in for him. And we're always grateful to have Laco, aka the gracious youngster, fill in. Um, We talked to Derek Webb in this episode. Derek is one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Um, I've been a fan of his since the early 2000s, um, and I strongly recommend you check out his catalog um, and check out his Patreon. He does He's doing some really cool stuff, which we'll get into in this episode. And speaking of Patreon, this is technically a Patreon bonus episode, but once every few months, I'm just going to put the whole thing out for everyone, and I'm, I'm eventually going to stop doing that. But if you're not a patron and you're hearing this and you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash Long May You Young. We have bonus episodes. We have me and Russ do Neil covers. There's a ton of fun stuff that goes on on the Patreon. So definitely check it out. Um, and shout out to our top tier patrons, Craig Bitch, John Locke, and Mark Ray. Patreon.com slash Long May You Young. Definitely check it out. Um, and one more thing. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that me and Russ are in the Bandtown meeting. We are starting to tour slowly again and we're uh we have some dates coming up in june they haven't been announced yet but they will be announced very soon um we'll be in philly new york boston vermont uh up in canada um we're kind of bouncing starting in the northeast and expanding out um but if uh if you live in any of those cities or know anyone who does we really really um would love you to come out we'll definitely do some neil covers we almost always do um but uh Look for those dates, townmeetingmusic.com or facebook.com slash townmeeting. That's my shameless plug. Now let's get into the episode with Derek Webb. Welcome 
to another episode of Long May You Young. You're hearing my voice and not Mike's because it's Valentine's Day and Mike is clearly trying to get laid. So he's not here right now, which is why we got Laco filling in for us in the Mike spot. And uh, we're very excited to have uh, our special guest, Derek Webb, one of my favorite singer-songwriters, Nashville native. Um, and uh, I think... Uh, in my mind, one of the more similar artists to Neil Young than anyone else that I listen to. And uh, we'll get into that as we <laughs> go <That> on. <laughs> um, but I wanted to have Derek on because uh, all the Spotify, Neil, Joe Rogan stuff, I noticed Derek posting a lot of uh, very interesting stuff, and I kind of wanted to get his take on it, and we'll dive into all that as well. But uh, I guess before anything else, what's up, Derek? How are you, man? Hey, hey, how are you? Good. <laughs> this is the I first just, time we we all seen each other in a while. It's been yeah. five or six years, I think. And stupid. How yeah. Long? yeah, yeah. I yeah. also want to say that you saying that Mike Shoe's not here because he's getting laid means that all of us are here because we can't get laid. Oh yeah, I, mean, I, I, I kind of took that, and I'm a new dad, so I was like, <laughs> yeah, things that stings. Listen, Russ, you, you know you're you're putting that out there. I'm not. All right. Yeah. Well, I um, just I literally just ran in the door, made myself a wrap, so I'm dribbling barbecue sauce while I while I talk. I apologize. Nice. It's living the best life. Um so so Derek, before we get into anything else, are you a Neil fan? Are you uh are you a Neil's music fan? I'm a huge Neil fan. I've always been a Neil fan because like like Neil does whatever the hell Neil wants and he always has and I've always loved that. I mean, like you just—if you just look at this guy's personal history, if you want to look into it—I mean, he does. He does what, and his music has always been, um, you know, uh, um, like the soundtrack for the resistance a little bit. You know, he's 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 been actively rebellious in every way that I think he ha- has been able to since he was like a teenager. And he's still doing it. He's still, I mean, look at the guy. I mean, you know, like he, yeah. all this, all this stink that he stirred up in the last couple of weeks. So, and yes, I love his music. Good God. I mean, I, yeah, I love his records. So yeah, have- I mean, well, so, cause we, so we talked about this previously and I warned you that I, I'm not like a, I don't know when you told me you had like a new young podcast, I was like, I don't. I don't think I'm qualified to go on a Neil Young podcast, but I mean, I love, you know, I love Neil, um, but it would be you like favorite record. Um, Harvest has got to be my favorite. I mean, I hate to be okay. that guy. I mean, I know that's like everybody's, you know, but it's like totally fair. And the, the other thing I would point out, Derek, is that they, they, by their own admission are not qualified to have a Neil Young. Podcast. <laughs> not, at not at all. Not, not even a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, no. So I love Harvest. Of course I love Harvest. And I yeah. love like silver and gold. I love, I love the, the rock stuff too. Absolutely. I love it. Um, but like, as far as like Neil records that I actually listen to like regularly, that's going to be uh, harvest and silver and gold. Those records are absolutely interesting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, harvest I get cause you know, you're silver an and gold. Fan. You don't hear a lot though. Yeah. yeah silver really? and gold is kind of interesting. Yeah. Why yeah. that? Why that one? I'm curious. Like, did you just get it at a young age or like, no, I mean, well, let's see. Let me let me try to look and see when when well, the silver, silver and gold was, two, was 2000. 2000. 2000. Okay. Oh, I guess. Yeah. yeah so. I guess that so, I thought it was older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. It must have just been, it was probably for some reason a Neil record that I remember, I didn't go back and find. I remember like when it came out. Right. And, and I think I probably just got it 
and just connected with it. And it was just, it's like, I'm like that with, uh, who else? Like, uh, like James Taylor. Like I have random yeah. James Taylor records that I really love, not because they're standout James Taylor records. Any, anybody else really cares that much about over another. It's just that they came out at a particular time. Yep. Um, and, uh, uh, what, what's that one? Uh, um, uh, let's see. What's that one that, um, uh, well, I, I, won't, I won't do it to you. While you, while it's you not, think, it's not a James Taylor podcast. <laughs> while you think of it, though, I'll, I'll say uh, Silver and Gold came out in uh, yeah in 2000. And yeah. I think the reason oh, that you love it so much is probably for the same reasons why I love Harvest and Silver and Gold so much, is that they're both big Ben Keith albums. Uh, yeah. And I'm a huge Ben Keith fan. And if you don't know who Ben Keith is, that's okay. He was the pedal steel player. Okay. And he is incredible and i'm i believe yeah he produ- he helped produce that record and that's probably why you you're drawn to that sound because ben keith was a nashville um oh, interesting studio musician uh i highly recommend you looking into his work he's incredible great and, um yeah, he's good. Do. He don't, okay. so he's got that really really pretty clean yeah uh and so both those records are just really beautiful i mean yeah. harvest is all over the place in ways yeah. but silver and gold is is like kind of straightforward just pretty yep. clean well and um, i think the other thing i like about those records in particular and i don't know that this isn't true of a lot of neil's records but i know it is of these two is that they are stark in their arrangement to the extent that if i hear a song mm-hmm. off of harvest i know it was on harvest and if i hear a song from silver and gold i absolutely know because those records, those collections have a sound. Like they really found, I mean, Harvest is, it has a little more kind of an orchestration and, you know, Man Needs a Maid like kind of goes, I mean, it's like they, mm-hmm. they go all over the place or, uh, in terms of arrangement, but, but th- they have very distinct sounds, those records. And, yeah. and so I feel like I hear, even when I haven't listened to it in a while, when I hear a tune off one of those records, I'll, I'll just know, I'll just know what record it was on because it's just the sound of those records. I mean, maybe it does have to do with, uh, with the, the steel player who is incredible now that I know his name. Yeah. I also, I think it's interesting and you said it and I would say it too. You always feel like you have to qualify harvest, mm. but it is, I mean, it's, oh, it's his top yeah. five record easily, if not his Dude, best legendary record. records. It's like, I'm not going to apologize for no. Johnny no. Mitchell blue. I'm not going to apologize <laughs> uh, for, I mean, like these are some yeah. of the, be- I mean, they're just some of the best albums of all time, you know, times they're changing. I mean, like Sue me. It's like, mm. right. they're, 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 they're classics for a reason, you know? And yeah, harvest, is absolutely in that pantheon of absolutely. all-time great records. So you uh, sort of brought it up, Derek, but we should maybe get into a little bit of uh, your history, but then also our sort of history. Oh, sure. Um, so the last, you said the last, we haven't seen each other since we were in Nashville, right? which was the only time we met. So Luke and I, as every most of the listeners probably know by now, we're in a band called Town Meeting, yeah. and we played a show at, what was it, the Mercy Lounge? Yes. Yes. Mercy Lounge, which was a part of this thing that Adam Dirtz puts on and uh derek you were there as so for pledge music at that time yeah so i started this company noise trade and a long time ago and and ran it for many years and it was like an indie thing and it noise trade ruled by the way yeah well thank you for that i mean it's like we we helped a lot of artists give away a lot of music and and get a lot of emails and zip codes for a lot of fans and and put them all in bed together so they could go off and and you know and mutually benefit from each other and that was like kind of what our mission was we sold our company and I forget what year to pledge music, who was a London and New York based company. And then I, in the transition, continued running noise trade for a minute. And then also kind of had a gig with pledge as well. Cause they had no Nashville office and, um, and then pledge spectacularly 
uh, went bankrupt we and felt, just we, fucked so many artists over. It was awful. I, mean, I just felt awful. Yep. But anyways, yeah, no, no, I mean, yeah, <laughs> all my friends, unfortunately. Now, I had nothing to do with that, um, and, uh, and that's a story for another time. But yeah. uh, at that time, I think, um, Noise Trade and or Pledge or both were hooked somehow to the Adam Duritz deal that he, that he does where he, it's like this thing um, for over a weekend where there's like a hundred bands, you know, or whatever, and they play on every, and we did over at Mercy where there's like yeah. three, three stages and there were bands <laughs> And you guys were playing. Yeah, I, I, it was. Uh, that's been obviously a big shout out to Adam Duritz for doing that. Him and him and Ryan. Yeah. Uh, and I know they they might not be as they might not be collaborating as much anymore, but they were huge helps to a lot of bands like us. Were. And, still are, yeah. Yeah, still yeah. are. And Adam has been a huge help to us. And uh, I remember when we found out we were doing that show. One, I mean, I was excited in so many ways because we're going to Nashville. It's part of this Adam Duritz thing. And then we found out that you were going to be there, and I and Luke and I were like, "Holy shit!" And no, and and actually, we, hold on, Russ, you're misremembering this because this is a classic. So whenever me me and Russ, it's the same thing as the uh, the Willem Dafoe thing. Oh, where, okay. Where I said we played a show up in Maine, and then before the show, me and Russ were going through a like. A I have a terrible store. memory, so going through a shoe store, and I. There was a guy no, it was Rennie's. Like, it was Rennie's in, Por- yeah. in Portland, Maine. Yeah, it's like an outdoor sort of. Yeah. Okay, but there was a guy there, and I he looked just like Willem Dafoe. And I go to Russ, I'm like, that that guy looks just like Willem Dafoe. And Russ is like, dude, that fucking is Willem. Dafoe. I was like, no, 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 that is Willem. You don't. There's no other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nobody, <laughs> not, nobody, nobody who's who's not Willem Dafoe yeah, looks right. like Willem Dafoe. Nobody. The picture yeah. of them with Willem Dafoe. I just have to add is. Yeah, it's just uh, unbelievable. Like the fact that he was just like you ran into Willem Dafoe shopping for pants, and yeah. he was super cool about. Oh, he was the nicest guy. So, Such so, a great vibe. Yeah, yeah. So that's the same thing that happened with Derek. Is we played that festival. I don't even right, think we knew right. he was involved, and we. Yes, I think we were watching the Harmelies. And then yeah. I look over, I'm like, that guy looks just like Derek Webb. And you're like, I think that is Derek Webb. <laughs> and then we went over and talked to him. Yeah, and then I think great. we, uh, Derek, we sat down for a while. We had we did. We hung we out had a couple a of drinks. Yeah, and we, yeah. we had a good time. And yeah. normally is You guys were amazing. Like, you guys played. But, but I, I know that I've seen, I mean, unless I'm losing my mind. I feel like I have seen you guys play more than one time. God knows. I'm positive I have. Because I feel like I've seen a, few, a handful of – I feel like I've seen more than one set of you guys. We've been in Nashville a couple of times. Um, Maybe I'm losing my mind. Did you guys ever do any of Noise Trade South by parties? I don't no, think so. I wish. Okay. Yeah, I wish. Well, anyways, I mean, you guys were un- unbelievable, put on such a crazy set. And so I was, like, freaking out, you know. And then the fact that you guys had any context for who I was was like, okay, well – Shut up! I'm trying to. You, you, I'm not done uh, gushing about the set you guys played. So I don't. Oh, thanks. I don't That's know what huge. you're talking about. That's right huge. Anyways, it was very sweet of you guys to make an old man feel. Oh no, <laughs> man! I, I was. I Luke and I both were. We're. We've been huge fans for a long time. I think one of the first times I ever play like saying, um, without without drumming at the church because yeah. I used to be the drummer. Uh, and I would do the background vocals. One of the first times I like sang out on my own without playing the drums was wedding dress. No like, way. Brave man. Covered it. Uh, and, uh, so that, that was like a big deal for me. Wow. And, um, 
So yeah, I've been we've been huge fans for a long time, it, and uh, I still have a ticket, Luke. When we went and saw Derek that that one time, oh, yeah, we saw him up. I in, still have uh, that ticket stop. I'll try Princeton to find it by the yeah. end of the call. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know where it was. Where was it, Luke? It was in Princeton wow. or something like that. It was at a church, and it was at a church, <laughs> and you and you did the shit from Steve. yeah, you, yeah, you did that thing where you said shit, and you were like, people will be more offended because who was that? Sure. Was that oh, Tony Campolo? It's a classic. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. classic Compolo yeah. move. But I had never been in that type of uh, situation. I inside, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" But of course, I wouldn't have vocalized that at the time. Well, you would have upstaged me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I do want to. Since we're talking about this, I want to kind of get into why I think Derek reminds me of Neil yeah. a lot. So, yes, yes. for most of our listeners, they already know that me and Russ, you yeah. know, we grew up evangelical we've since you know parted ways sure in, in some sense of that but um so we derek also grew up in a evangelical band called cademan's call not grew up he was in cademan's call and then he started his uh solo career not yeah, was it, after that. so derek uh, correct me if i'm wrong it was like 10 years with cademan's and then like 15 ish with as a solo it, yeah i mean i was uh, so we, yeah we started cademan's in 92 i made my first i released my first solo record i think in 2002 Wow. And then I'm still doing it. So it's mm. been however many years that is. Targets yeah. is great, by the way, man. It's Thank really you. Good. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. There, there's I so much, there's so much to there get There was into. a new record today. I was like, I hadn't, I, fingers crossed was the last thing I heard. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's, that's the second to newest record. So that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, there's another one that I don't know about. I'm psyched to listen tonight. So. But cool. this, is, this, is interest, this is interesting because all four of us grew up. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, just for some context, I helped them out when Mike's not around. Yep. Um, and uh, Luke, Luke texts me today, and he's like, "Hey, man, we're gonna have Derek Webb on." And I was just like, "You know, what? We're like, why? <laughs> like, how? What?" And he was that, like, "That makes no you? sense." Well, he told me like six years ago that you guys met, and then he yeah. reminded me today, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's right. You guys are kind of buddies." Absolutely, so. absolutely. <laughs> but you know, so- I, 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 yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, um, I was just going to say, so Derek, and I think you'll like this, Derek. Derek to me is Neil Young plus Rich Mullins with a hint of David Bazan mixed. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. That that's for that's, sure. That's more than 100%. So okay. that, that, that's, that's too much. For sure. Uh, but, wow. Sure. But so, I, like, so, <laughs> so like Neil, I, I, I started listening to Derek's music around 2005 when you put out Mockingbird for Mockingbird. free. Yeah, much to the chagrin of I'm sure record executives and all my that. Own, my own record label I'm sure yeah, yeah. Um, and I loved it I, it was a uh, it was very anti-war which no one was doing at the time especially in Christian music right. so so th- this is another interesting thing I don't introduce you as a Christian art I mean now it doesn't no, make, right yeah but even back then it, you were just kind of you would do what you wanted to do. Um, it didn't matter what your record label said. It didn't matter what your fans' expectations were. And to me, that's so Neil. Mm. Um, and because he, he all throughout the eighties, he he's, he got sued by his by David Geffen for that's not right. sounding enough like Neil. Yes, and and I feel like you've had nothing but <laughs> like genuine. Uh, you released a like a super pro LGBTQ album in the height of uh, all that nonsense in back in the late 2000s and i just so i feel like so content wise you do what you want to do and also style wise you do a folk sounding album and then you do an electronic sounding album and they're all they're all really great so i just i just i really respect what you do i feel like you kind of do what you want to do and what you feel like you should do and you don't really listen to 
anything but your own conscience, your own heart. And I just, I don't know. I don't want to just keep That means so much, man. Well, I really appreciate it. I mean, that, that's what I try. That's what I, that's what I, I think I'm doing. I don't really know. It's, I mean, it's hard to make a living um, sometimes antagonizing everybody. Uh, like you have, to, you have to leave some people to buy the records or whatever to give you money. You know, you have to leave some people to feel unconflicted about paying you. But, um, but I, I receive that. I mean, I, I do feel as though I have always tried to follow coordinates a little bit and whatever I thought was important. And, 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 and I think I had the luxury of having spent 10 years in a band that was on a major label. I spent most of my solo career on a major label, but um, not, not all of it. But, um, but Cademan's was. And, and you know, we, I had the benefit of having 10 years of pretty moderate success at it. Got some taste of how you get that, how you sustain that, and what kind of the costs are mm. um, of doing that. And so by the time I got to my solo career... So by the time I got out of Cademan's, I'd already had more career than most people get in this business. And so I was already like, okay, if I'm done tomorrow, I'm nothing but grateful for all this. And so to start a solo career with the benefit of kind of understanding how the thing works and kind of what you, the moves you can make, but what they'll cost you, it, it was a, it was such a gift to go in with that because then I was like, oh, like I can actually make records when I want, about what I want, they can sound like what I like. Mm. And I can make those choices. They're, those are choices. That's all they are. But there will be a cost. And so my audience will always be very super small. Like I will always be a niche artist. And I, but I was super happy to do that. I'm, I'm just happy to, have, to be able to do it. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. You guys are blue collar like I am and you yeah. work really hard at it. And it's like, I'm just thrilled to have the work. I'm just thrilled to have people mm. who resonate with it and are willing to get behind it and support it. And um, people for whom I'm, I feel as though resonate deeply enough with it that it kind of becomes part of their soundtrack, just like it's mine. And like that is, that's what I, and, and to be able to accomplish all that and still pay the, the mortgage is, is such mm. a unbelievable gift that makes no sense. And so, like I'm at this and you just get spoiled on it. Like after a while, I'm like, well, you know, by the time I was, let's say, so by the time Mockingbird came out, that was my third record. And then Ringing Bell, which was like Electric Mockingbird. So it was more songs about peace and war and about mm-hmm. the government and whatever. And, and then Stockholm Syndrome came after that, which is, I think, the other one you mentioned, which was like an electronic record and um, kind and of non- Stockholm Syndrome ruled, by the way. Thank you for that. Well, I mean, it was kind of like poking the church about how they fumble with, um, you know, loving the gay community. And uh, so anyways, like after a while, I realized, oh, like, <laughs> so, actually, sorry, I like how you worded fumble with yeah, how they yeah, treat they, the gay community. Yeah, they fumble. They fumble with it. It's, uh, it's a big fumble. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's still yeah. a big fumble. Yeah, they're still fumbling their way down the, down the field with it. But um, but it's like what I realized after a while was that. It, it actually started to work out because um, it, it was the, the the handful of folks who uh, managed to stay around were expecting it. They were they were expecting me to uh, you know have to kind of be going after whatever the next thing was that that seemed like it needed to be gone after and no one else was willing to go after. It's like I, I'm always on the lookout for what are those topics, and so I'm always running after those those things and. And so when I wouldn't do it, it's like they'd be upset. People would be upset. So I was like, all right, the thing I used to think would have gotten me 
would have worked me out of the job because nobody wants to hear it. Now, if I'm not making moves like that, the people who are with me are upset and not. So if it's like, so if they like the, if the record lands too positively, I start getting, I start sweating. Like, oh, I didn't, like, I didn't do it enough. Like I didn't work hard enough to find the, yeah. but it's, and here's the last word on it is that I think a lot of artists tend to be wired. I think there must be something ingrained in the personality of the average blue collar artist that they, they have that, that, that thing where they want people to like them. And it's like a people-pleasing thing or whatever it is. It's very common. It's not just an artist. But mm. I, have, I have other problems, but I don't have that one. Mm. And so I am not wired that way. Like, I am like the opposite. Like, I mm. love – I don't love, but I don't mind confrontation. I don't um, – I like bringing up things. Um, I don't have any problem with people not liking me or not understanding me. It really doesn't bother me at all, really mm. at all. And so I've kind of early on realized, oh, if I have this weird wiring and I've wound up in this, in this job, I should really take that really seriously. And I should really let that be the grid through which I'm looking at my work because there are a lot of artist friends of mine who I know have extremely strong opinions, who are very articulate on uh, all the issues and, mo- and many more that I have tried to uh, write songs about and talk about in my career and sp- I'm going to spend my social cachet on. And But they are on platforms that are just too tall and have too many other people's jobs wound up in them to where they can't take those kind of risks. And that's why I've always tried to keep my platform as a solo artist very low to the ground because that way I'm not fearful of destroying it because there's not really that much to it. Um, you know, if, as long as I can say, sure, but, but I think you, sorry to interrupt, but I, no, think that's you, it. I feel like you would still sort of, even if you were on a that other sort of platform, I feel like that wouldn't hinder you from still doing. But like, so it, yeah. it's interesting that we're talking about this right now because the next album that we're covering, I don't know if Luke told you, is we're covering the Monsanto years, which mm-hmm. is uh, Neil's album that he did with Promise of the Real, the first one he did with Promise of the Real. So good, which, by the way. Which right there, it's right in the title. I mean, there's no fucking around with it. It's right. This is what it is, and every song there's not a, a, there's not a ton of poetry to it. You know, it's. Yes. <laughs> It's straight up, you know, united, fuck you, you know, fuck you, Monsanto, fuck you, Starbucks. He he essentially straight up says these things, you know? Right. Right. And so I feel as though, and have you heard this comparison before? The one Luke just said that Neil Young has this really. Wow. Yeah, because I, I the more we get into it, the more I'm like, wow, yeah, Luke makes a great point. That, well, and Russ, if you think about it, like we'll go from an album like Ragged Glory to two silver and gold and they're so, they couldn't be more opposite right. yeah. albums and it's the same guy who's just like i want to do this now and that's like yes. even Derek going from like mockingbird to ringing bell to stockholm syndrome then to an album like control which is one of my favorite albums that you made by the way the one that um, the least people have on the planet for sure <laughs> it's, but it's so good and it's just you it's just i, I just feel like you're like i want to do this now it's really true i mean i've had I that get, weird, yeah yeah, I guess I just was was uh, essentially trying to say um, that you shouldn't shouldn't sell yourself short to the fact that, like you say, a blue collar musician. But at the same time, well, this is another thing Luke and I talk about all the time because there's so many different levels to being an artist, right? Especially a musician, where like people we play coffee we we play coffee shops or we play open mics sometimes just um, 
and and people will look at us like we're royalty yeah. and we don't we don't feel that way at all and we look at you like you're royalty you know and then all of us look at neil like he's royalty. you know yeah, I mean? exactly and it just it, there, it, there's never-ending cycles of this and everybody just working their asses off I mean, exactly yeah. right and so i wanted to say that i think the comparison holds even more than we all even might realize because i think you you would even if you had Niels, you would make a Monsanto if that was. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. even if you had that level that Neil has. That's just the type of person, type of artist you are. And um, well, I've, I absolutely appreciate it. I receive it, and I and I think you're probably right. I mean, the way that I, in terms of like what my instincts are, I think you're right yeah. about that. And I because um, I well, first of all, like you guys, I have figured out how to make a living at this. Like I'm I'm wily and I'm. Um, I'm we have we haven't yet. I don't want. Oh, well, well, <laughs> we're working. But, but, we're, but, we're but, you're still, but you're still doing it, you know. And and uh, you, you know, you're you're uh, you're refusing to 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 say die. And yes. And, and yes. so it's like you know. So I I have that absolutely, and I know that I can. That this is the value, and I've always known it of really deeply connecting with the people who resonate the most with what you're doing, because those are the people whose shoulders you know, you'll be on for all those, all those, uh, Absolutely. those thin years. And so I think knowing that for one thing, I, I, I'm, it makes me very, very risk tolerant because I can take chances cause I know that I can still make a living at it. But also th- there is something self-sabotaging about my rhythm. Like I, I, I think that's the reason I would, I mean, I, I, I'm absolutely don't think I'm, um, ambitious or talented enough to be like, on a certain level of platform. I'm just not made that way. I'm not that kind of artist. And that's not a good or a bad thing either way. Not for the people who are there, not for the people who aren't. But if I ever have in the times in my career, I've gotten up a little higher than other seasons of my career, then I'm immediately, I look at, um, whatever, whatever it is that you get, whatever, and you guys know this feeling too, cause you, I mean, everybody who's done it for more than a minute, you, you kind of know what the, the, the hilltops and the valleys kind of feel like. And whenever you're on those, those hilltops, what I feel in those moments is, man, what am I going to spend this on? Mm. You know, mm. I'm like, all righty. Like that's why. And if you look at the trajectory of my career, you're going to see that because Stockholm syndrome would have been the biggest record I had had out at that point. And so the very next record, I'm like, all right, what do I want to do with all the cachet that I've saved up from Stockholm Syndrome? Oh, I want to make a concept record about a guy who falls in love with a computer. And it's like, you know, I mean, it was like, it's like the weirdest record of all time. But I was like, well, that's what I want to do with all of this cachet I, I, I've now earned. I'm going to spend it all making this record that no one will understand, you know. And Was that pre-her? It was by like 18 months. Like I've got no timing. If I so, waited, yeah. it would have literally been the soundtrack. You know what? That makes you more like Neil because Neil, <laughs> Neil was always right, right, a step above all the popular Just shit. Just a little, a little too ahead of it. Yeah. With his link Not vault. In the 80s. Well, no, but I'm saying like you yeah, know yeah, these yeah. types types of You're right. weird. You're right. Like, You're right. With some of his technology and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, the Pono right. and all that. Like the totally right. Yeah. You're totally right. Anyways, so that that's kind of you know that's that's yeah. how I feel. And if in a, the next few years, if God forbid, if you know things go well and the next record people like, and it, I feel like I'm on the top of a wave again. Just watch what I do next. I mean, I'll, I'll yeah. I, I can't wait. I mean, I just build it to burn it down. That's just Same. so yeah. That that brings me to something else. So before I ask any more questions, um, 
I I have so many threads, Derek. So I apologize in advance because That's I feel fine. like we're gonna keep there's gonna keep being spindly threads that shoot <laughs> out, and we're gonna try to have to find a way to connect them all because I I yeah. truly I and I've never done I mean I take notes before we podcast, but during a podcast where I'm like, oh, I want to come back to that. Uh, yeah. I've never done this before. So this is new for me where I'm like writing shit down. I'm like, oh, origins, deconstruction, pot, whatever. I'm like all this stuff. And I, and I, I already crossed out the Monsanto years comparison. So we're good. We, we got that one down. And all the fans are now scared to death. Cause that's like <laughs> the fact that he's taking notes. Like, yeah. All right, but go do it, Russ. Go well, no, it's just, a, it's, it, it, oh, it's a, a, a testament to how great Derek is and how honored we are. No, he's, wor- he's worthy of it. Yeah. yeah. Grateful we are to have you. Um, so, man, one thing that I uh, that you just touched on, which made me want to talk about, was um, I unfortunately when you started doing the Jesus hypothesis thing, your Patreon, yeah. that was at that's at the time, and everyone and all the listeners know I, I don't mind being completely like vulnerable about my oh, yeah. situations in life. That was like a time where I I, I had been uh, supporting some of my musician friends on Patreon. Yeah. Um, and then just got hit with bad debt. And like, it was just one of those times. And that was right when you were starting to do yours. And I was like, fuck, I wanted to get on that. And it was at the time where I just could not financially make any kind of moves like that Dude. for anything I wanted to do. But I was really, really, really um, like excited about it. And so I was like, eventually I'm going to get around to doing that. So are you able to talk a little bit about what that exactly is for our oh, listeners? Yeah. Sure. Of course. Gosh, thank you for asking. It's like, you, you, you always feel like you have to plead with folks to talk about new stuff. Um, cause you're the only one who's typically excited about it, but, uh, uh I would be normally, but, uh, <laughs> no, thanks for asking. Yeah. The G's hypothesis is the new record. I'm working on it now. I'm probably three quarters of the way written and I'm, and I'm still writing. I'm recording. And the deal that was, that's been cool is, you know, I, I've, so I've got my little, my little patron community and I've been for them live. I've been writing and recording it live. So I'll, so I, so, I, cool. I, so I'm up here like in my studio and I've got a handful of cameras up here and I'll have all my guitars and my laptop and my phone, everything's plugged in where I can like bring my laptop screen up, bring my phone up, bring everything up. And so like the first, and I've been doing these live stream writing sessions. That was like for, I've done 20 something of them and they're like 90 minutes you each. Just, hold like, on, hold on. You write li- like, yeah. on. I, I have never done it before in my whole life. And that scares I, I, the shit out of me. No, I know. And, I, and I, yeah. I, I didn't think I could That's do it. That's why I love it so much. Cause it's, it's literally like Ugh. the, pa- the Patreon member, the patron members are a part of the they're they're yeah. there for the whole the right, whole fucking right. thing yeah, which i think is so cool yeah well i mean i when i came up with the idea i was like well that's a, that's a fun idea but i don't know if i will i'll be able to do it because yeah I, I have never i don't like my my wife my my best friends don't hear songs until i've obsessed over every conversation until they're yeah. totally done so i've never done anything remotely like that before and so, but when I get with the idea of it, especially a, a record about what the record's about, and that's, that's but um, I, I just felt like it would be a, an interesting thing to just pull the curtains, just to tear the curtains all the way down on and let at least my safe kind of people, not just for everybody, but for patrons to come and do it. It felt like fun. So I literally, on the, the first session one, I literally just turned on the cameras. I started 
and we went through like my phone. I've got, I, usually when I start a record, when I start writing for a record, I don't usually write in the off season. So it's like, I, I don't write for like a year and then I will start writing. And that's when I know, Oh, it's time soon to make a record again. Cause I'm wow. writing again. And then I'll write 10 or 12 songs. I'll record them and I won't write for another year. Like that's literally wow. how I always do it always. And so I brought my, so I get my phone up and we're like, I'm scrolling through like voice recordings from the last 12 months and we're just listening to them. And I'm just going wow, through, like, wow. listening oh, to, yeah, that's too vulnerable. I mean, I've I talked about being vulnerable, but I don't know if I could do that, man. Cause I know. At, the, at the top of every one of mine, I'm like, okay, it's a C. You put your finger morning. here and yeah. you hammer on there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so just, fucking stupid. I also, I'm in my car. I'm like three in the morning whispering like a my phone. So oh, we're yeah. we're talking about hour. this. I can imagine Laco listening right now. Laco does improv, by the way, Derek. He's a yeah. very bad. Okay, okay. And he's probably wondering why we're being such pussies about being on the spot. I know. Guys, I know. guys buck up. Yes, and get out of here. <laughs> that's exactly what the right. hell? That's exactly what the right. hell? No, I think but, uh, that's. Aw- I actually think it's awesome. And I, I similar to um, Russ. I'm in a situation where I was like, oh man, I want to buy in. I've also been a fan for a while. There, uh, pleasure to meet you. Um, but it, I would wish I could be involved. What are you learning? Like, are you like, that's what I'm curious. Cause like, you know, it, as somebody who does improv, I'm always right. like learning like, okay, like this is a new way to experience a creative yeah. process, which improv is literally every time. Yeah, it's but, incredible, like, dude. What do you see? Like when you're bringing out these notes and you're getting feedback while you're like, okay. Okay. So yeah. So let me clarify at least what the deal is because at the top of every one of these sessions, what I always give the same couple of disclaimers. And one of them is that this entire experience is rhetorical. Like I, I am monologuing. Like I, I, because I, because I cannot. So I I I can imagine that would be hell. Yeah. 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 So I do them on um, uh, like unlisted YouTube links. And so I send those so patrons have them. And then, and honestly, like, you know, somebody could join today and go back to, to, writing session one and literally watch their way through and just watch the whole thing appear, you know, like, I mean, it's like, you can, it's all going to be archived or whatever, but, but I always say like the, the chat that's going on YouTube, I'm not looking at it. I'm not probably ever going to look at it. They, you can say, please have an opinion. Please say, Oh, that line sucks. That line's great. Do whatever you want. But I'm not going to look at it. Don't try to get my. T- yeah. I'm not ignore. I'm not ignoring you. I know I am. I am ignoring you. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not. If you're trying to get my attention, don't think that I'm not. Uh, that I'm just ignoring you. I'm just literally not looking at it because, like, uh, what I've learned no, over that, the that, years. Yeah, that's. Do yeah. you really not look at them though? I don't. No, that's, I can't. That temptation I, I though. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't even have that up on my screen anywhere where I could see it, and so right. I don't. I don't look at it. But for me, like what I know is, and what I've actually, I take very seriously and I've gotten really good at over many years is really boxing out around the, the inception, the, 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 the creative moments, like when it's really happening, like I don't let myself think about, um, like, okay, what's going to be the consequence of me having written this now and who is this for? And what is anybody gonna like and 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 what kind of trouble or it it doesn't matter none of that matters um i i have to at least uh protect that at least let it come out as honestly vulnerably as possible and then it's like a problem for my future self to deal with but i at least want to get the thing written and so i don't want to be thinking about what somebody likes or doesn't like about what i'm doing in real time i can't have Mm. that information and i and i don't 
So I, so I don't. I don't look at any of that. But what's been interesting about it, and to, to answer your question um, over there, is that I, what I figured out, and I guess I always kind of uh, suspected this, but I've never had to put this to the test, believe it or not, in 25 or whatever years it's been, um, is that actually this year would have been 30. This is 30 years I've done this for my job. Yeah. That's how old I am. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk about how old I am. But, uh, but anyways... Um, what I've, I always think I knew, but I've never wanted to test is that if you just, there is nothing as an encouragement to any artists who are, who are hanging and listening, like there's nothing magic about it. Like it just takes blood, sweat and tears and human misery. Like you just have to throw hours at it. Like if you just show up to do it, you will move forward. Like you will move the ball down the field. Something will will happen. Something will happen. And, and, and you just show up and it just will. And so for me, what it typically consists of is me getting on camera, kind of catching everybody up, um, on kind of what the, 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 the status of the various songs I'm working on, what they are, what I've worked on when I've not been on camera, because I mean, you can't help it. Like I'm driving, I'm in the shower. I, I never stop obsessing over lyrics and stuff. So I'll make a ton of notes. I'll come back and I'll say, okay, here's where we are. Let me kind of play you up to the point where we are. And here's kind of what we're, where we're going. Here are the bits that I'm still working on. And then basically I just commentate. And luckily and this, maybe this couldn't work for everybody because I, if you can't already tell, I just love to talk. Like I'm just a, I'm just a talker. And so I, hey, I'm just a talker. So I just, I just commentate my way through. I just commentate whatever I'm doing. Yeah. And so if I'm sitting there thinking about a particular line or a particular, uh, you know, um, kind of tagline and stanza structure that I'm trying to build with a certain idea, I just talk my way through it and then I just talk it out. And mm. I'm a verbal processor anyway. So I think for people who aren't, like my wife is not a verbal processor. So when we're processing a thing together, I will talk and talk and talk and talk and she'll listen and listen and then she will um, like synthesize and, and bring, you know, like the, the brilliance of the clear conclusion of the whole thing, you know, because she's been thinking, so she, she processing, yeah, yeah. she processes in her head and then she comes out with it. And so that's how we do it. But like, it's, it, so this sort of thing's perfect for me because I, and honestly, here's, what's crazy. I feel like this record is actually the momentum of it is so much better than probably any record I've ever made because there is and has been this expectation from my patrons that I'm going to be doing this every once a week or so. I'm going to a couple times a week that I'm going to be on the cameras and I'm going to be writing. And so it's like, it'd be, so in my normal rhythm where it's a very uh, isolated type experience, I would like make a bunch of progress on a thing and then I would reward myself by not writing for two weeks. Okay. And like, like not touching it just because it's easier. It's just, I don't, I don't know because it's just like a thing that's, I feel like I have no control over. So, but with this, I, I do that. And then a couple days later I'm, I'm writing again. And the reason is because people, they're they're not over there tapping their feet. They don't, they, I I don't think it's like they really care that much, but I feel like if I'm going to tell these folks that part of what they're getting is to be part of this experience and whatever, then I need to be up there. Like I need to be yeah. on, I need to be in there writing and, and doing that for them. And so it's got this great expectation on me and it's gotten me way more disciplined and structured than I've probably ever been at mm. this stage of a record, which has been a great thing for me. So that yeah. I was going to for sure. I'm glad you got around to that. Cause like, I really loved what you said about like, and I really think it's true having been a fan of yours that you, you put that box around, like not caring about what people think, which I think is awesome. 
Yeah. But I was like, I and know very there's fucking Neil, man. you're getting from having, what'd you say, hey, Russ? I said, and very fucking Neil, man. Oh, it is very fucking Neil, yeah. Hero. But um, I think I was like really curious what you are getting out of having people participate because like as someone who does improv and like creates live, right? like even if like I, I try my best, there's a lot less ways to do it to not care about the audience <laughs> right. right in front of you. Right. But, um, but I think though that um, like it's really cool to hear that like having that partnership is driving you to just get to the table more often. Yes, right. Are there other things you think you're getting from like having an audience? Like, is there anything else that you think is changing about your process besides just like the drive to do more? Right. I don't know yet. And I'm, I don't know that I'll know till I'm That's done. Fine. Yeah. You know, like, like I, I'll probably have a lot when I'm finished writing at least. Cause then that, that's like the hardest part for me. And then when we're just purely recording, it's so much, it'll be so much easier. And I, and I have told folks that I, I will watch the chat while we're recording. I actually would like to hear if somebody thinks like a certain sound or a certain beat or a certain whatever is cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm into hearing about that. Like that, that's cool with me. I mean, yeah. but, um, I think that the thing that's weird about it, the thing that's weird about the process, and I'm curious if this feel if if you'll resonate with this, I'm curious that you will, is that the the strange thing is that by the time I'm done, the people who have really watched a lot of it and who have really paid attention, and I'm recording uh, acoustic demos of songs as I finish them, and then delivering those also to patrons, so they kind of have an acoustic version of the record as we go, and so um, they are going to know so much more about where I'm at. And about just all the, and, and kind of what the record is for sure, and just they're going to know so much more than than I will, so much sooner than I will, mm. because I won't have any kind of objectivity about any of it. Like they've just been objectively observing, they're going to know. And and I'm like I don't know if you, if you I mean here in Nashville, you know everybody from. Uh, you know, my barista to my mailman, uh, we uh, all know each other's Enneagram numbers. It's like such a thing in Nashville. And I'm, I'm apparently a raging five, which means I really crave information. And so for me, not knowing, like being the one person who doesn't know something about myself and knowing that all these other people will based on them having objectivity and watching me write and hearing my weird reasons for why I'm I wrote that that way and wrote those words that way in that song and why that was an important idea to put on the, song, the record with those songs to balance it. I don't even know what I'm balancing yet. They're looking at the scale. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's going to be a weird and interesting thing. And I'm, I bet when I'm finished, I'll be able to like have some perspective on what happened back there, you know, mm. but like yeah. I'm, the one, I'm the one in the wreck. Um, everybody else are just the bystanders watching the wreck happen. So it's like, they're going to know a lot more about what happened before I will. Um, which is weird and interesting, I think. Yeah, it's super fascinating. That's great. Yeah. I uh, I uh, want to come back a little bit to sort of the beginning here. In that, one thing that I was drawn to, and and this kind of ties in a few different threads here, I guess. Because <laughs> hold on, uh, hold on, Russ. What? I'm just realizing how self indulgent this episode is. No, no, we're, we're getting back. We to just want to. We just want to talk to Derek. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it all it'll all come back to Neil. I don't, give, I don't you know what? I don't give a far, shit what yeah, our if, listeners if want. Our fucking <laughs> listeners don't. Then they can fuck off. That's it. Say, this, is more, now. this is more Neil. What you guys are doing, hi, hijacking your own podcast, is more Neil than all, they, it's really true. as much as we shit on ourselves. Our podcast really is very Neil it's because it's, it's it's fucking lo-fi. 
It, none of, no episode's ever the same. It's always fucking just like, you're, right, dude. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. In other words, take it. You got it. Yeah. 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 And, and, and to, to kind of uh, tie into what you were saying there with the Patreon thing, we started a Patreon for, for the podcast. Yeah. And it, it's kind of been similar, Luke, as far as like getting that kind of feedback and then knowing yeah. that like people actually give a fuck about this thing yeah. that we're doing. And, Oh yeah. Like I, I, I think some of our listeners will probably go and want to contribute to your thing. So if they do, if you guys do, uh, make sure you let Derek know that you, yeah. that you're a youngster. Uh, please, that we is... call we call our fans youngsters. So love it. <laughs> it's horrible. Best, but, but so ahead, so Luke. just tra- well, tra- transition. Can, yeah. No. Well, transitioning back to Neil. Um, I do want to ask you, Derek. What was it that drew you to this Neil Spotify situation? Because can I, I can I? But I one of my questions, one of my threads has exactly to do with that. I'll so, allow it, but watch it. No, here's the thing. So today at work, I'm painting a house, and I just started working with this new crew. Normally, it's just me and one other guy, but I started with this other crew, and uh, one of the guys is very, very right wing, and. Uh, you know, so um, Russ, for, just like Russ is, Russ is super right wing. Uh, yeah, big oh Trumper. yeah, no me. Yep, yeah. There's don't pay atten- <laughs> any attention to my big fucking Bernie yeah, sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, no, so I'm working with this new guy, and the first day I knew right away. I could tell this guy is very right wing, very, you know, whatever. So on the way to the car, I'm like walking to the car, and I'm like, okay, uh, I'm not gonna. It's not gonna be a good working experience if I don't like somehow kind of find a way to bridge with this guy. Yeah. So we're walking in the car, and I know he's gonna see my Bernie sticker. He's gonna give me shit. I already know it. I feel it. It's coming. So he sees my Bernie sticker, and he's like, "Oh, fucking Bernie! You're a Bernie. Of course, you're a fucking Bernie guy." And I'm like, "I'm like, okay. Here's how. Here's what I should do in this situation." And it all came to me quick because I'm already prepared. Oh, yeah. I'm like, so what I say is, <laughs> "Yes, you're right. I like Bernie. I'm a Bernie guy." But you, it might make you like me to know that I don't like Biden. I'm not a Biden fan, and for that, and I go into all those reasons, and then all of a sudden we're like vibing on the, a topic that we have in common because yeah. I, you know, whatever. Because we get into nothing all that shit. unifies like a common enemy, right, Terry? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, and so we're, we're oh, you know, then, and then we have this conversation, and it's cool and it's great, whatever. Yeah. But I still know going forward from the work in this situation is going to be touch and go because I also can't not be vocal about certain things. So anyway, I come into work today and then they're asking me like what I'm doing out for Valentine's day or whatever. And then, uh, I was like, like, I'm going to podcast and eat. Yeah, I'm going to, exactly. (laughs) I'm going to be recording a podcast. And so I was like, yeah, I'm in, I do this Neil Young podcast, whatever. Oh boy. And then, uh, of course the guy right away goes, not a big fan of Neil Young right now. (laughs) And, and, uh, and so he he launches into his whole this He's whole a fucking thing, dude. He's a communist, <laughs> and you know this whole thing, and uh, but it was funny because then he he his whole point is he's trying to make a point about like all I'm saying is keep politics out of it, you know, just keep politics out of it, man, out of your music. And I'm like, you like that song Ohio? And he's like, which one's that? I sing it for him, like Tin Soldiers. In. And he's like, yeah, I like that song. I'm like. Yeah, you know that that was written like the fucking day after, you know, and so I get into this thing with him. And also it's hilarious because this guy, more than almost anyone I've ever worked with, like later in the conversation, we were talking about the halftime show uh, from the Super Which Bowl. Which ruled, by the way. Can we, we don't need to talk about it, but it was but, so fucking good. Uh, so cool. I was I was working with two of the crew today and it was this this lady and him. And uh, and I was like, we were talking about the halftime show. I was like, yeah, it was great. I love this and love that. And she was like, yeah, Eminem was my favorite. And then he goes... 
well, yeah, I'm just glad they let at least a white guy in there. And I was oh, like, geez. oh, geez. And so I'm like, okay, this guy's talking about keep politics out of your music. But I'm like, why don't we keep politics out of work? How about that? You fucking, Ugh. like, he really yeah, said was, that? Yeah, oh, yeah, he said Ew, that. And dude, dude. You, you, know me, you know me, Luke. I'm just like, oh, fuck. How am I going to work this job? You know, but like, I'm so broke. I need the job. But I'm like, fuck. But anyway, Derek, that all that crazy yeah. rambling is, is to, to, to Luke's question, yeah. what what exactly was it? Because clearly, it's infecting ev. It's a, like yes. you said, Neil is still relevant. The guy's oh, seventy five, yep. and he's yep. he's still making a huge impact. You know, like absolutely. So what what exactly yeah. and where do you land and and all that stuff? Yeah, well, so for one thing, Eminem was there on on merit, yeah. right? Period. Yeah. Um. And uh. But um. Yeah. So it, let me say this first. I have always, there's a, there's a job description for artists that I've always liked. And this is always, this is like the way, and and you can, different people can have different opinions on this, but in my opinion, the job of an artist is to look at the world and describe it. Look at the world, tell us what you see. That's the job. And it doesn't mean that every artist is going to have um, a political lens in the grid through which they're looking at the world, and that might not be part of how they describe the world that they see or whatever, but it certainly is um, uh, an option. Uh, there, it's not incumbent on artists to do it. Some, some artists are just make rad dance music, and that's, all, and that's what they want to do. It's no compromise to, to, to do exactly that. And other, and then you've got like Rage Against the Machine, and you've got Neil Young, and you've got, and and it would be a compromise for any of those people to not do exactly what they do. But to say like to keep politics out of it, I mean, it it, it what it does is, and this is very on topic, is it just immediately puts guardrails on free speech, which makes no sense. Um, artists look at the world, they describe it, and that's the job. And if it sounds political to you, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Um, you can exercise your free speech also yeah. by not listening and disengaging from it. And, and, and like, in other words, rather than do we want to constrain more or do we want to liberate more? Cause if we want to liberate more, that means more voices and more choices. Mm-hmm. But if we want to constrain, it means fewer voices and fewer choices. And, and that's not, I don't believe where, where America does its best work is in constraining, um, in that way. And so, and I don't think that's, that's what free speech is all about. If you really want to argue both ends of it, which absolutely has been coming up over the last few oh, weeks yeah. with all this, with all this, this uh, Neil Young Rogan stuff to interrupt you really quick. Uh, this is uh, actually brings up perfect timing as far as we're such a good Neil Young podcast that when we did our episode on this, we didn't ever really quote Neil Young. We're, yeah. we're, we're just really good like that. Yeah. But oh, yeah. That, it makes me want to <laughs> quote from his, uh, yeah. <clears throat> if you're not on the Neil Young archives, by the way, Derek, it's, it's amazing. You should, yeah. you should get on there. Right. Um, so from his letter that he wrote in his yes. Neil Young archives times contrarian, this is the end of it here. Yeah. Uh, before the actual end, it says, when I left Spotify, I felt better. And then he says, I support free speech. I have never been in favor of censorship. Private companies have the right to choose what they profit from, just as I can choose not to have my music support a platform that disseminates harmful information. I am happy and proud to stand in solidarity with the and frontline pays artists terribly and yeah. Well, yeah. is horrible. Sorry. I don't, wanna, I don't <clears> want I am happy and proud to stand in solidarity with the frontline healthcare workers to risk their lives every day to help others. As an unexpected bonus, I sound better everywhere else. Love earth be well neil so that's that's exactly what you're saying i mean 
and that's how I feel about it. And I almost wanted to read this quote to the, that guy today, but I'm like, I know it, it doesn't those. It, well, unfortunately, gonna, no, nobody wants yeah. the real information. Um, people want a quick dopamine hit of, um, of, uh, you know, um, uh, people have like, like rage that they need to, they have their like outrage, um, you know, um, like an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like you, you, you have to, uh, find things to be outraged over. And so people, well, I think a lot of it is, um, is kind of uh, a projecting or a mirroring because it's easier for people to be outraged that there's this other that is keeping them from things rather than doing the work on themselves. So like, like you were saying, liberate yourself, you know, or even just read the quote, which of course, I mean, it's like in literally the same statement where he said it's, you know, it's either uh, Rogan or young. I mean, he, 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 he wasn't saying like, I'm putting you in a hostage situation and I'm, and I'm, you have to get right. He wasn't at no point did he say constrain Joe Rogan's speech. He never said that. He said, you can have Neil Young, which was a rhetorical statement in, in the context he was saying it. Cause he was saying in that same statement um, that he is not going to contribute to and be part of a platform that supports things he doesn't agree with. And that's every artist, right? Right. And so he, he was at that moment asking to be and actively working to have his stuff removed. Like he was making the move. He wasn't saying it wasn't a standoff. He was like, I'm leaving and here's why. And, uh, and so yeah, and he knew, he know he knows they're not going to get rid of Joe. I mean, they spent a no. hundred million, whatever the fucking yeah, crazy yeah. deal. Like over he's not going anywhere. No, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah, also, yeah. and and like Neil says over and over again, he has never he's mm-hmm. he has always had big problems with Spotify. They don't pay Absolutely. their artists. They the don't. sound quality is the worst out of all the platforms. So, so uh, yeah. So on, on that note, Derek, to to kind of transition a little bit to this, and we, we're going to wrap up very soon. Yeah. But um, as an artist who's been doing it since pre Spotify, and, yeah. and who's been making money from music pre Spotify to now. How do you feel about streaming in general, Spotify in general, even removed yeah. from this specific argument? Sure. Well, I, if it's really interesting, because if you go back, I was reminded recently that I have an old Tumblr blog that's still uh, online, apparently. And it, and there, and there is this, um, it was, it, but it was, it was back when, uh, I guess it was probably when Spotify first launched in the first year or two. And I was making a case for why you'll make more money giving your music away for free than streaming it on Spotify. Huh. But my but my argument was about Noise Trade's model of giving music away in exchange for data. I do so, like, real quick. I have like to. A, yeah. I just have to tell you. I definitely illegally took some of your music from right. <laughs> from Napster. Great. I mean, yeah. uh, the whole yeah. house show album I took from Napster, but I, I made up for it because when I, Mockingbird came out, I tipped you like twenty five dollars. Well, there you go. I mean, so it's fine. It, was, it all works out. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like so I have from the beginning had issues with Spotify, as have any um, artists who read like and, and, and really listen and pay attention. I mean, anybody would. And my whole thing is like I don't have a problem with artists using Spotify as a tool. My initial, as long as I understand the costs and they're huge, right. 
But as long as those are investments they are intentionally making, oh, that's fine with me. As long as you're making a a, a willful, uh, clear-eyed decision, you have all the data, then fantastic, go forth. But for me, my initial problem was that it was such, it appeared as such a monopoly because there was no real competition in the market for Spotify. Anytime anybody would hear the word Spotify, it was ubiquitous with the word streaming. And so you would talk about how you were anti-Spotify. People were like, you know that streaming is the future. And I was like, Shit, yes, streaming is the future. I'm talking about a, a, a company, like one company who's doing it right. super inequitably you know, to, for artists. So, no, I, obviously the public had spoken at that point about um, access over ownership. I get why that is preferable to people. I don't really have – and all that really does is put the, the impetus back on artists to creatively solve that problem of, all right, well, so if now the recorded music is a loss leader for other ways to make a living at this, how do we creatively solve our way out of this? And how do we enhance the listening experience or create – intentionally create scarcity in the digital world in a way to build value for ourselves and a way for ourselves to make some kind of a living wage out of it? And I actually love creative problem solving. So I didn't mind all that Napster and Spotify bullshit that happened because it it for me it's just it's I, I get to use every muscle and so I personally like that sort of thing um, but I always had an issue with Spotify because obviously how not only how poorly they in, inequitably they they pay artists it, it, which is so well known at this point but also how inconsistently they pay because at least Apple they pay the same rate to Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift and, and Billie Eilish as they do to me or you guys or anybody because those are those are rates that are that are available that everybody can see and they're consistent but with Spotify it's I mean the thing about Spotify from the very beginning is the whole thing started as such a racket and it kind of really still is because Spotify went and uh, they they uh, paid all this money to license the rights for basically all the recorded music on the planet from all the people who owned all the, the rights to all the recorded music on the planet. Unfortunately, those were not the artists, and it rarely is the artist. Mm. Someone else owns the rights. So Spotify came in, paid a crap ton of money, tons of money, to all the rights holders to license all the music to have it on their platform. How much of that money that they paid, all that huge uh, amounts of investment into licensing do you think went to the artists? It's rhetorical, I'll tell you. None. It went mm-hmm. to the people who own the rights, which mm-hmm. is going to be the labels, it's going to be the publishers, it's going to be, but it's not the artists. Right. I mean, especially not at that time. It, 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 increasingly, artists do own their recorded masters and their rights and their publishing, things like that. But it's still fairly rare. It was extremely rare at that time. And then, after doing that, so, so far the artists have gotten what? Nothing. Um, the rights holders have a ton of money. Those are the people who own the artists' careers. Okay. Then Spotify divvies up equity in the company and actually gives it to all those same companies who own all of, all of that content. So they literally put a bet on every horse and they give and they, they bring everybody in. And how much of the equity in Spotify that was then divvied out to all of the people who own all that content do you think was given to artists? It's another rhetorical question, none. And so everybody benefits but the people who are literally generating the content. Um, And so it was real. And then obviously the streaming rates. Now here's the thing. I get that it took Spotify and it took everybody and it's still taking everybody. God knows it's still taking YouTube and everybody and Facebook a long time to figure out how to balance the scale of monetization for attention and finding some way of making this thing make money. And it's just, you're not 
going, the, the, the business was so inflated for so long that you're just not going to replace the stranglehold that the 1899, uh, you know, plastic compact disc, I mean, you're just not going to ever get to those levels again. You're never going to, when, when, you know, when somebody heard one song on the radio, they'd have to go to Tower Records and buy an 1899 CD right. with 11 more songs or 14 more songs on it to get that one song. That was a racket. So the minute that mm-hmm. Apple uncoupled all those albums from each, you know, and, and you could just buy the one song already, we're fucked. Um, and, and, but we're not really fucked. It's just that the model that's worked for a long time and that's been, a, that really has been a racket and was ripe for disruption. Uh, it was gone. And so I understand that it takes time to rebuild a new economy around a new model. I get that. But the fact that Spotify is still consistently at the very bottom of the list, and yet they are the largest of all of these platforms right. in terms of what they pay out in streaming to artists. Well, like, like you yeah, said, it sucks. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that it came to that because that's the thing that I've been like, I love, I love Neil. I love what he's doing. And I think, I mean, it's like almost a whole different thing, but what I've been most frustrated about is that it's like, that's the argument that I want to hear people make. It. Right. And right. I know some people have in the past and, yeah. you know, like Taylor Swift, I know like held out for a long time, but like, I feel like there's a missed opportunity here. I really want to hear from Neil like that talk of like, how right. can we, okay, like I'm mad about Joe Rogan, but that was just the thing that ticked me, you know, flipped me over the edge. I think that for Neil, it, I think he probably feels like a broken record at this point because yeah. he has made these arguments and has been since <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't with, seem to be changing anybody's mind. Yeah. And yeah. for him, I think even more than, than, than the, you know, the fact that artists aren't getting paid, I think a lot of it for him, cause he's been so vocal for so long about the quality. Yeah. That's, quality that's his biggest thing. Now, yeah. You know, like he's willing to, to kind of, promote a uh, 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 talk about a monopoly a monopoly Amazon's the biggest did, fucking thing in the world it's slightly annoying me how much he was like all in for Amazon yeah he's promoting Amazon because and I now I got on I went on Neil Young Archives and I'm doing the four month free mm. thing on Amazon Neil, dude, yeah and the go quality to title, is, dude. the quality is fucking way I was listening to Spotify before and now I'm, I listen to you today Derek through Amazon and it's 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 great. Same I mean, thing with really title, is. and they pay artists even more than Amazon. They pay artists yeah, over a cent per title. stream. Ironically, Napster's streaming platform is consistently the one that pays the most. Isn't I that wild? That. Yeah, that I think that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, yeah that's so wild. funny. Well, Derek, I. Uh, I, I have more questions, and I, I know Luke was talking about wrapping up. We want yeah, to we try to be respectful of I your time. I got to my wife's scallops. I told her I would cook. Well, you can go do that, but I, I have more questions. <laughs> it's my fucking hard drive. Here's the thing. This is why I knew it would be dangerous to have Derek on, because all, I could talk all to Derek three of us want to talk to Derek hours, about a, a million things. <laughs> well, no, we because we, we didn't even scratch the fucking surface on deconstruction. Well, uh, you know, I know. Like, well, that, that's not what this is. This is a Neil Young podcast. Uh, yeah, whatever. Even I know, we never whatever. talk about we'll have to do. We'll do a part two. Yeah. Let's have to do a part two. Yes. Get, get, give me time to write a few. I, I have so because, many, yeah. like, because I, I really, really want to talk about, because, I mean, we talked about your the 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 Patreon-ness of the Jesus hypothesis, uh, hypothesis, but we didn't talk about the sort of uh, 
to the me, skillet, what and it, also the skillet thing that just came out too. That I feel like is so we do a whole episode on John Cooper for sure. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I just there's so much to get into. And also, I'm a I'm a big uh, you made it. I'm a weirdo. I'm a, oh I'm yeah. Weirdo. And so I wanted to talk to you about Pete. And I was so stoked to get to do that. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff and a liturgist people, and and everything. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a yeah. yeah I I feel like mo- maybe you guys. I don't know. It, it, it all, it's all different for everyone, but Luke's still sort of, uh, you, you go to a cool church right now, Luke. Like I, I don't have, I don't well, have I'm, anything. I'm Episcopalian now and I'm fucking, I love it. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't have, I still haven't found that like thing to fill. All right. You know, Bono. Like, <laughs> and I still yeah. Listen, I know, I know what you're doing, but we have to, we have to wrap because a, no, we don't have to, you just have, have to, to make scallops for your wife. Yeah, I want to make scallops for my wife. <laughs> we'll do a part two for sure. I want to plug Derek's Patreon. Um, it's patreon.com slash Derek Webb, correct? Yes. Yeah. Or, or you can just go to my website, either one. Uh, yes. Hopefully if you go look and you'll find it. Um, yeah. Did you write out all that stuff? Like all those words and all that connecting shit that's yes. like on you wrote all that out wow oh yeah that's I, I yeah the idea of the cover was the the and you'll see if you go to the website there's a big picture of it but it's basically almost all the lyrics i've ever written back to the first cadence call record written wow. out wow. on a whiteboard and then like trying to make connections like i'm yeah. trying to figure out how all this fits together how it all belongs together um, and how to bring it with me. And it's just hypothesizing about where I've been and where well, I'm Well, yeah, we'll have to do a part two just to, just yeah. to talk about that. Cause I, I mean, I, I would love to talk to you more about but, that. Yeah. I'd love to. Let's do it. Let's def- do it. Definitely check out Derek's music. The temptation is for you to label him as an evangelical or an ex evangelical or whatever, but it's, he's just a really good singer songwriter. One of my favorite songs he ever wrote. Um, it's called, uh, I want a broken heart. And Russ, hmm. that's that's the first song we ever covered when we started Town Meeting. Yeah, we, the Town Meeting yeah. wouldn't exist kind of without yeah. Derek Wilson. Oh um, man! But, but it, and it's not the, it's Derek. Not, we uh, yeah, but there's there's no. La- I'm, I just want to say it's easy to the temptation is to label him, and he's not like if you're yeah, it's if like you're, Neil. Most of our listeners are not. They don't identify as religious or not, but definitely right. check out his music. Thank um, you. For that. And he he is beyond genre if you like acoustic stuff he does that i've just been doing it for a long time that's all yes um and if i want to i will hop on that too i want to back it up if you're listening to this podcast and you love neil what they said earlier about Derek is true you've man. had that spirit for a long time man yeah well, thank for you for sure really means so, a lot from you guys yeah well but, but so, and Derek. uh Go ahead, Luke. No, Jesus no, no. What? <laughs> Hypothesis. Well, I just want to. I do want to ask. I want to end on a lighter note, and I want to ask. So, Derek, we, me, and Russ, obviously, when the pandemic hit, all our we had our 2020 was fucking booked right. to the gills, and all of it got wiped out. Yeah. yeah. So we we started. We were gonna podcast. be we were gonna be main stage with Willie Nelson. Yeah, we were gonna. Oh. Whole, yeah, dude. Yeah. It got it got it, it got a erased. Thing. So to, yeah. in order to kind of cope with that and just to deal with our own mental health, we, we me and Russ talked about how much we love Neil. We talked to a local radio guy. This guy, that guy Mike, who's not here because he's trying to get laid right now. Um, but uh, <laughs> about our Neil obsession, we said let's do a, a podcast about Neil just to kind of cope with it. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of if you could do an a podcast about one artist, who, Rich Mullins. Who's your artist? You That's can't pick great. Rich Mullins. Such a great question. Why I can't know. he pick Rich Mullins? Because I, I, I I'm, I'm laying that down right now. Because I, I don't, I don't know that it would be. I don't know that it would be Rich. Yeah. I, 
I think it would probably be Dylan because oh. he, he is. I am. I mean, I feel like I've learned everything from Bob Dylan, and I'm. Really? I am. I am as obsessive about Dylan as you guys are about Neil Young, for sure. I mean, really? I am. I am like. Man, hmm. like I absolutely. And, well, that's and, something else I got to write down for part two. Then, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, which, I could I could talk for hours and hours about Dylan. What's sure. your go-to album? Your Dylan number one. Um. If in why is it? Oh, oh my God! I mean, there's exactly or blonde on blonde. I mean, I like blonde, blonde on blonde. Tr- blood on the tracks but, is way better. Yeah, than blood on the tracks. Is I love blood on the tracks. I I love all the '60s records, obviously. Because yeah, Highway '61, like, man. Woo. Highway '61, uh, another side of Bob Dylan. Um, uh, uh, um, but like times are changing, honestly, is probably one that I listen to the most. I'll tell you the ones that I listen to the most, the most though, are, is going to be all of the, uh, the bootleg records. And he's got so many of them. He, he puts one out every couple of years and it's like, there's one that came out. I would have to look it up, but there's one that came out that was all bootleg stuff, a lot of live stuff and a lot of, um, secondary and alternative takes of tunes, um, of stuff that was all kind of early. It was like kind of sixties, probably 65 to 70 in there. And there's a, there was a bootleg uh, series that came out maybe just in the last couple of years. And it has got some tremendous, tremendous stuff oh, on man. it. And uh, my favorite, anyways, my favorite stuff is yeah. the band with the band. Cause I'm a huge yeah. fan of the band. Leave on Helms, my idol. So absolutely yeah. dude. I'm a huge, huge, uh, you, we, we watch uh, the last waltz on Thanksgiving every single year. Uh, oh, really? local, local art, Movie theater, the Bell Court here in Nashville shows it on Thanksgiving every year. They weren't sure if Dylan was going to actually come out and play, no, though. Did I know. You know that? Yeah. Yes, I do. And, he <laughs> and was Neil's like, got the Neil's got the big coke. And and Dylan was only, I believe, contracted to do one song. Yeah. And and he he turns around after and kind of looks at you know, Robbie and 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 they just kind of shrug their shoulders at each other. And it was this huge deal. Like all their people, like we're all. And they wound up playing another, you know, like they, yeah. they got on stage and it just all happened. But I do know that they didn't know till literally he walked on stage. Yeah. Yeah. They were all like, what the fuck are we going to do? And, yeah. Did you like I his, love uh, it's become a holiday tradition. Yeah. Uh, not like just for you, but last for like a lot is, of is, is, is the, the beginning. He says, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you like, uh, Dylan's, was it 2020 or 2021? His most recent album, Locko oh, yeah. is, my, is my go-to for new music. Actually, me, Locko, and two other guys. Mm. Every December, we talk about our top ten albums of the year. We're super yeah. dorky about it. But yeah. he was trying to get me to listen to it, and I still can't. I don't. Oh, I really dig it. I, like, I really, really loved the new record. Yeah, yep. me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really loved it. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that Dylan. I mean, here's the deal. It's like you. Ha- if you're going to commit, you have to commit, and it's like. Dylan has a way of weeding out people who don't really deeply love him. And yeah. as soon as you hit like the late eighties and his voice starts to go, I mean, it gets rough for a handful of records in there, but, but it's like, you know what I mean? But, but, yeah, but I think as you can found, imagine I think Luke and I had some issues with the, uh, the, the, uh, his, you his know, Christian <laughs> albums. I don't know. Oh, yeah. oh, I like those, but on his new, on his new one, I feel like he found a way yes. without being melodic to like sit his, his, 
I mean, the lyrics are like yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, he's writing really well right now, and yeah. I think he's singing better than he has in a handful of years. I and agree. He's found a way to use his voice. He's he found has. He's found it. a way to use it, and and uh, and I'm personally into it. And honestly, it just doesn't matter to me. You know, he's no. he's just a walking institution at this point. And so, I mean, that's how I am with Neil. I, I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, it is. I'm gonna take it whatever I can get. Yeah. I, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna consume it. I'm gonna, you know. Yeah. There's a Neil vs. Dylan podcast coming up on this on this podcast. Oh, There's yeah. a, a, a couple yeah. episodes coming up. Well, because we're getting yeah, we're getting down to the wire here as far yeah. as the, yeah, you definitely. Well, yeah. I like it. I like well, it. Hey, Derek, uh, can we send you a vinyl of our newest record? Hold on, save the hold on, Russ. Save this for till we're done. <laughs> Why? Why we're not? I don't want to. Uh, yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Der- thank you to Derek Webb for joining us. Uh, if you want to check out more of his stuff, it's DerekWebb.com. Definitely join his Patreon. Um, grab his albums. He's got vinyl. He's got CDs. He's got all of it. He's a fan of giving his music away for free. So literally just Facebook message him and he'll probably send you some shit for free. Yeah, or go to Spotify because it's basically free there anyway. That's a great point. All right, so Derek, what happens after we die? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Uh, and if. And, oh, uh, I, w- I wanted to answer so bad. <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, you know, go to townmeetingmusic.com. We, uh, we're slowly starting to book again. We're playing in Philly, New York, up in Canada. We're trying to book in June. We have a new album coming out. Check that out. Thanks to our patrons. Thanks to everyone who listens. And, uh, Laco, thanks for always being a. a yeah, Laco. Hey, man. I had a blast. Thanks for having me. Laco, can you give us a titty bird squawk real quick, too? Nice. Very good. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $899. Save $200 plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.